the Professionally Speaking Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Professionally Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan J. Warner, and with me today, we have another special guest. We have Paul Cheney. He is a B2B writer, editor, and ghostwriter. Paul, thank you so much for joining us today. Happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. I know you have a, a wealth of experience and wisdom, especially with writing and sending messages. And I'm sure you have a, a tale or two you can recant for us about things gone sideways and, and some interesting outcomes. But uh, Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's my good looks and charm that is the reason you're excited to have me. You nailed uh, it. You, you, can, you can edit that out if you want. It, you can <laughs> do, totally do that. Anyway, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. That's okay. You, you're self-assured. That's all that means. All right, so let's get started. Tell the folks, the listeners, what do you do every day? What's your day-to-day -day like right now? I write primarily for uh, B2B companies, uh, various sorts. I, I specialize in a few areas, healthcare being one, also SaaS, tech, that kind of thing. Um, uh, also, customer experience is another area that I work in. It, 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 and I'm not so deliberate necessarily. It's just where the work kind of comes from and most of it comes to me but i spend most of my days doing writing and that could be anything from uh, a blog post a 2000 word blog post to a white paper to an ebook to uh email campaigns i do all that sort of thing as well and uh, some of my work is devoted toward editing and uh, that could be developmental editing or copy editing in some respects and then another uh, area that i focus on and i'm doing this more nowadays is actually uh, ghostwriting, and I say ghostwriting in the context of books. And I work with a lot of CEOs, business executives uh, who just want to tell their story. For many of them, it's a first time, uh, you know, book. Uh, and we have a process or I have a process that I work with these authors on that helps them uh, do this without literally having to write a word. Now, many of them do. Uh, you know, when, once we've had a chance to review the initial manuscripts, but, um, you know, that's, that generally is, is my day. I have a couple of, uh, sort of side projects that I do as well that are, I'm, you know, very focused on, but that's kind of my day to day. Fantastic. And the content of this community, the messages that you write and, and for B2B purposes, is it typically the same types of like software as a service and, and different types of things like that? Is that the nature of it? Yeah, I mean, most of it and more and more these days, it is kind of more tech related stuff. Uh, and I do work through a number of agencies. That's kind of how I get a lot of my business. And uh, but yeah, a lot of it's kind of, you know, I hate to use the board boring, but it kind of is. It's not, you know, sexy stuff. Uh, a lot of it is very SEO focused. Uh, so I, you know, try to have, uh, uh, you know, expressed expertise as it were in that arena. Now I don't pass myself off as an ex SEO expert, but from the context of on page kind of SEO, I do feel like I've got a good bit of experience and expertise in that arena, but a lot of the writing is for that purpose. So, you know, a lot of it is kind of top of funnel. So you got these blog posts. Uh, but I do, you know, a good bit of middle funnel stuff in the way of, let's just say, a white paper or maybe an ebook, for example, or something like that. Uh, bottom of the funnel stuff, I don't tend to get too much work in that arena. I uh, do from time to time. But that's the kind of stuff I do. Yeah, it's not anything that's going to make, uh, 
you know, big headlines or anything, uh, but it, it pays the bills. I'll put it that way. Oh, don't sell yourself short, Paul. You're the, you're an expert over there. <laughs> so search engine optimization, the SEO you just mentioned, do you find yourself writing and, and you have the, the words come to you, you know how you want to craft an article or a blog post or something of that nature, and you find yourself tweaking it so that it gets more recognized by search engines, by more visible by people? Well, for mo for the most part, I get uh, people who give me briefs, and some of them are more explicit in detail than others. But generally speaking, there's a certain uh, you know set of keywords that they give me. They want to see hit like a main keyword, a primary keyword, some uh, ancillary keywords or secondary keywords, and that kind of thing. Maybe some semantic keywords, and then I work those into the copy. Generally, obviously, into the headline or title. Uh, first paragraph, obviously, that's a very important thing. Then, then uh, you know, smattered throughout the uh, the piece to whatever degree I can, based on the length of it. Uh, I do use uh, keyword ranking tools uh, sometimes, and that depends on the client I'm working with. Like one client I've worked with a good bit over the years, uh, they use uh, Surfer SEO, which really does grade you and kind of tell you where you are with respect to how you might rank. And then there's some other, uh, you know, some of those kind of tools. SEM Rush uh, is another one that I use a good bit. So I get, uh, you know, some, I guess you could say, kind of uh, explicit sort of uh, ranking factors that I take a look at that, that help me, uh, you know, benchmark where an article might rank, as it were. Obviously, everybody wants you to write an article that's better than every other article out there. So, you know, doing that is quite the challenge. But, you know, it's a matter of, uh, I guess, art and science in a bit, in a, you know, in some respects. Yeah, I can, I, I totally can sympathize with that. As you're speaking, I'm just having flashbacks. I, I've written a couple textbooks for Oxford, and one of them included a vocabulary component where I'd write a passage and then they'd, extract seven or eight vocabulary words they want university students to be able to familiarize themselves with and then utilize thereafter. And after I wrote the piece, then they gave me the words to massage and integrate into the, the passage. That was much more difficult than I anticipated it being. So <laughs> I can I can appreciate the the skill of it that, that you have to craft it into the message. Well, well, let's put it this way. I mean, if you're writing for the web, if it's going to be indexed by Google, you've got to have some SEO aspect to it. Now, that may be to one degree or another. And I think there, you know, people need to understand that Google's probably smarter than we give it credit for being. Uh, and some people obviously do understand that. So they they understand that you don't have to, uh, you know, stuff every article or blog post with you know, all these keywords, because you have to be careful about that sort of thing, obviously. But I, you know, I think Google is smarter and Google does pick up on, you know, what, what is this article talking about? What is the topic? It's not just looking at keywords anymore. It's semantic, right? So it's looking at everything on that website and how it relates and, and all of that kind of thing and what's linking to it and what's it linking to. I mean, it's, it's a whole ecosystem that I probably wouldn't even begin to understand, but I think I have some little, at least microcosmic understanding of what it takes to write a uh, an article or blog post or whatever it might be that could potentially rank well. So, yeah. 
No, that's fantastic. So over the years, you've familiarized yourself with it to the degree that you, you, know, you have you have no choice. My world these days, it's all digital. You know, it's for websites and and brands that are publishing online. So excellent. And Paul, did you always want to be a writer or be involved in the literary arts, as we call it, in academia? Or was this a, a later uh, kind of epiphany you came to? I want to change my career path. Well, yeah, I don't know, man. It's I could go way back to uh, community college or what in my day we called junior college. I actually took some journalism courses. I was on the newspaper staff when I went to senior college in my last two years. I was editor of the college paper for, for a time. And so there was always sort of that writing bent in me. Uh, I, I like to tell people I'm actually the reincarnation of an aunt whom I never met. She passed away years before I was born, but she was a budding writer. And I like to think that uh, some of uh, Aunt Aletha uh, came into me. I don't mean that in a literal sense, but obviously figuratively speaking. But I, I was even writing and just had this desire before I ever entered the writing field. But I will tell you about 2005, I'd established myself to some degree in the blogging world, business blogging world, and then into social media to some degree. And I started writing uh, a column for this publication that was actually still just a print publication at that time called Practical E-Commerce. And uh, the guy, the publisher, Kerry Murdoch, realized, you know, the world is moving digital. And if I'm going to be able to fund this thing through advertising, I've got to make it a digital publication, which he did. And I wrote for that for probably 10 years. And that was really where I kind of cut my teeth in terms of professional writing because I was, he was paying me to, to write this stuff. And it just sort of blossomed in a sense from there where I ended up starting my own little agency, as it were, again, a one-person outfit, very focused on business blog consulting. Uh, I, you know, writing, I ended up working with a tech startup uh, and I did the marketing side of it. So there was writing in there, went back out on my own after I'd written uh, one of my books. And, uh, you know, it was just all about writing and content marketing really came to the fore. So I was trying to ride that wave as well. And so writing has been a part of what I've done since 2005. So what is that? That's, uh, you know, 16, 17 years or so. Yeah. And, you know, now, like I say, for the past three or so years, three and a half years, I've just totally, that's been the focus. I, I at one time was very focused on the strategic side from a content marketing, um, you know, standpoint and really wanted to get into all of that. Now I've dialed it back to, you know, you reach me if you, if you really want just, uh, you know, hopefully good solid content uh, written and edited. And that's where I hang my hat these days. That's great stuff. Did you know when you started writing and you said you cut your teeth back during that 10 year stretch when you're beginning writing professionally, did you enjoy it? Like every day were you like, yes, I get to write again. Was it one of those feelings or is it like, Oh, I hope I figure this out before they let me go type of thing. Well, I think it was a, a, a bit of a, a pull and tug. There was that enjoyment of getting to do this, no doubt, but obviously the work of writing uh, because I wasn't, you know, I didn't get a degree in journalism from Columbia or somewhere. You know, I, I had to learn the craft of writing. And my uh, the publisher, who was also the editor, Carrie Murdoch, was very good, was a very good teacher. 
Uh, and he sometimes he was a little bit punitive, but most of the time he was very constructive in helping me understand, you know, using active voice. Simple thing to a lot of people, but it, lazy writing is passive voice, right? And uh, fluff and clutter and redundancy. He helped me learn, Paul, you got to cut all that out and get, I mean, in business writing. Now, if it's writing a novel or something, which I don't anticipate doing ever, you know, it is get to the point. Uh, don't spend three paragraphs or five writing an introduction. Get to the point. And uh, so I learned a great deal from him. And then I picked up, you know, the the classic writing books, you know, uh, Stephen King's on writing, uh, William Zinser's book, uh, it's similarly titled. And I learned from that. And then Anne Hanley's book, I have to give Anne credit because she wrote the forward to uh, one of my books. And uh, but uh, her, everyone, everybody writes. It's a great uh, primer on writing as well. So, you know, and then just doing it day in, day out, and then having an editor or a brand push back on you and say, you know, you really need to work on this. I mean, it's a, it's a, a discipline that I think you learn as much by doing as, as being taught. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always amazing to me how many folks, like I work with an, as a trainer and a coach, I work with a number of different companies and it's fascinating how many of the executives and the professionals in the organizations were never taught how to write. Like, I mean, of course they went through basic school to, to 12th grade and et cetera, but they never actually took courses in effective email communication or, mm -hmm. or you know, how to write, how, you know, how to write a letter to an external vendor or anything like this. Right, right, right. They, and they well, would just as soon avoid it. Yeah, I mean, I got a degree in music therapy you know, uh, a long time ago. And then I got a master's in religious education, which I, you know, so I guess from that perspective, there was some writing obviously involved and, uh, uh, you know, public speaking, things like that. There's writing involved in that, obviously. And I'm one of those who I generally write out the script of what I'm going to say and then reduce it to an outline or something like that, or even commit it to memory. But uh, yeah, as far as the, the aspect of just writing, for business audiences, which is my whole world, uh, you know, that has been something that's been, in a sense, both caught and taught uh, and self-learned for the most part. Yeah. The self-learned. Well, I mean, it sounds like you, you've had you had a, a few good mentors along the way who helped kind of shorten the learning curve. Well, yeah, I, I have. Although I look at back at some of the old content and I go, oh, my word, you know, did I actually write that? You know, but uh, uh, hopefully it's better now than it was 15 years ago. I'll put it that way. Yeah, well, that's the goal, right? Um, but no, I, going back to, yeah, the companies that I work with and their employees, they, to some degree, they know that they're not, it's not like they're great writers and they want to, they just don't like doing it. It's they know they're like, oh, how am I going to do this? And, you know, it takes them more time to think about the words and the language and the phrasing they're going to use than it does to just type it out, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. So for mm -hmm. them, it's it, they procrastinate or they avoid it or they try to get their assistant to do it, pawn it off on someone. And to those people, like I, I know we've, I mean, I, I can shouldn't speak for everyone, but I have been there early in my career too. And I was like, oh, I don't even, I know what I want to say, but I don't know the words to say it, et cetera, given the circumstances. Uh, what, what would you say to, the, to those folks to, to kind of help them out? 
hire a freelancer to edit what you've written or a ghostwriter to write it for you. <laughs> hey, I got I got to make a living here, right? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, if you're a CEO or you're an executive and writing is not your job necessarily, I mean, I think it all depends on the personality of the person. I, I have a good friend who was, he was a, a former boss. He's a CEO of a marketing agency. And this guy's a great writer. Now, getting him to do it is another matter. Now, I always pushed him to, John, you need to be writing, man. You need to be, you need to have a blog or some, a newsletter or something, you know, but if, if writing is not your natural skill, you know, then I guess if there's a way you can get someone, some help to, to do that, then that's one way to go. Uh, if it is something that you are pressed to do yourself, then, well, guess what? you're going to have to learn how to do it. Now, I think it's acceptable. And I can think of one uh, CEO of a, of a, a company. He works with uh, the uh, like customer experience and uh, uh, contact center industry. He's a consultant to the industry. And, you know, he's a decent writer. Uh, he has a blog and stuff like that. But invariably, he's going to turn stuff over to me to edit. And mm -hmm. it is a matter of cutting out the clutter the redundancy, refining some points, getting the grammar right and that kind of thing. And here's the other aspect of ghostwriting. Without changing the voice, it still needs to be his voice, right? Uh, it's not Paul Chaney now who is certain, who has inserted himself into this piece of content. It's still this guy. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think you got two ways of doing it. Either you learn how, take a class, read the books, or you get some help doing it. I mean, that's the two ways I foresee doing it. And maybe you're lucky to have someone in your employee that can, you know, take care of that burden for you if it, if it indeed is a burden, so to speak. Or you, or option three, you listen to a podcast with the Paul Cheney and he gives you the, the tips of wisdom of how to, how to right. do it. That's, that's exactly right. I mean, <laughs> you know, but look, I don't, I don't want to strip everybody's, voice from them i mean if you write in a certain way and it is very reflective of your voice even if it's not completely grammatically correct or use a slang or is a bit redundant or whatever the case may be that's fine if you're okay with that i'm okay with that uh you know now it certainly has to do with how well you represent your company or your your organization you know, is that the best uh, face to put forward? You know, if it's not, then okay, well, don't, you know, don't let your hubris keep you from realizing you need to do a better job. Or in fact, again, you may need someone to help you craft that piece of content. So I think, again, there's both ways to think about this. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think so too. There's a number of different options people should be aware of, but it never ceases to amaze me uh the emails that i get or the the messages and and things that are written and i think like did who wrote this you know like i'm like did, i'm trying to find here okay, what are they actually asking here it's sometimes it's just lost somewhere in the middle because they didn't want to be like you said use active voice or be direct or you know right. kind of danced around it mm -hmm. well and then you know there's external communication there's internal communication as well maybe you know you can get away with uh internal communication being whatever it is and but maybe not on the external side where you know it's more visible to the public as it were 
for sure. All right, so let's get into some. I, I want some, some some stories, some experiences out of you, Paul. Tell us what's the worst. Have you seen anything writing gone bad? Have you ever seen like a a bad something goes sideways, or you, what's the weirdest thing you read that you're like, well, I got to revise this? What are they even trying to say? Uh, well, uh, that may take a minute because there's been quite a few of those experiences. But <laughs> I, well, I'll give you this one. Let me give you this one. I was uh, I was managing editor of a uh, of a web publication one time called Web Marketing Today. Uh, it was a long-standing publication that the uh, the uh, author of it had uh, decided to retire. In fact, the man I mentioned earlier, Kerry Murdoch, acquired uh, the publication, and he asked if I would be the manager. And uh, so what he wanted was uh, uh, people who represented different dif- disciplines, where it was social media, uh, SEO, uh, you know, email marketing, that kind of thing. He wanted me to find uh, SMEs who could speak to those uh, areas intelligently and authoritatively. Obviously, he didn't want just freelancers who could write about a topic. And so I found uh, a group of people, about seven or eight, I think, uh, at one point who, you know, they each touched on those different areas because that was their career fields. But buddy, let me tell you, there was a couple of them that didn't know how to put a sentence together. And I would have to spend as much time editing as any other task that I had to keep that publication up and running. And I remember, and I won't call names, of course, there was this one guy, I mean, by the time I was finished editing his his article, it didn't look like his article. <laughs> and I thought to myself, how is this guy a professional in this world? and making a way in this world that he lives in, but you know, he's done well for himself. I have to give him that. Uh, so as long as it didn't depend on his writing, uh, you know, I guess he was okay. But in this respect, it was a lot of hard work on my part. And there was a couple of others who, you know, again, this wasn't their native thing to do. So there was some editing involved, but that one particular instant does stand out. Now on, an, in another respect, I had a client that, well, I thought they were a client that I was doing some work for. And, uh, you know, uh, they suddenly just went dark and I never heard from them again. And I had, uh, and this is the other, you know, it's not a pure writing experience, but it is a freelance writing experience. And other freelancers uh, can identify with this. Uh, You know, you have invested time, you've invested money and you put it out there and, they're gone and you don't hear from them and which means the money and the agreement that you had is also vaporized uh so that's been another bad experience that i've had so i've you know you learn from all of that right so hopefully you don't repeat the same mistake twice yeah wow i'm to the second point there i'm kind of i'm surprised i guess i'm not in that world very often so i don't the freelancer world i'm not too familiar with that so that that's kind of shocking to me but but the first part, I guess, equally as shocking, someone who's, like you said, successful in their own right, and then you see what they can produce communication-wise, and you're like, "Whoa, is this? Are you? Is yeah, that, are and, you seriously? You know, and it, and I guess in his world, it, it wasn't, you know, based on his ability to write. But I don't know that I, uh, uh, you know, I think if you're out there doing anything from consulting to you know, technical work to uh, maybe you're an SEO professional or whatever the case may be, you need to have some um, some degree of, of writing acumen. 
And it may not be, you know, you're not passing yourself off as a professional writer any more than I would pass myself off as a professional SEO, right? Because I am not, and I'm not going to try to pass myself off that way. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think there needs to be some degree of writing acumen. So, you know, there's plenty of books out there to help you. Again, I reference Anne Hanley's book, Everybody Writes. It's a great book. Uh, there's others out there. Uh, you know, uh, Strunk and White's Elements of Style is a good little handbook to use that you can go and check things if you're not sure about them. There's obviously uh, things like, you know, AP. I'm a big AP fan, so I tend to, uh, I tend to you know, reflect that style a lot of my writing. Although some of clients, they want, you know, Chicago or they want something else. And so I have to adapt to that, even though that's not my favorite thing to do. But uh, anyway, so I, you know, I think there's no reason not to learn. There's plenty of courses out there and some of them are free or very low cost to, to help you. So there's no excuse not to, you know, uh, improve and enhance your writing ability. Yeah. I think some people, I mean, I, in fact, I know some people, they just chalk it up to, I, I'm not a good writer. Like I wasn't, wasn't gifted with like, as if it's like height, you know what I mean? Like as if it, it can't be changed. Like I, I was never a good writer. It, it's uh, okay, but you can improve. Like you said, you learn a couple tips, you learn a couple strategies, you learn how to structure your, your content differently, depending on the, the medium. If it's, if it's an email, like you said, internal or external, mm -hmm. but once you start mm -hmm. to get a handle on some of those things, it, it really starts to improve quite, quite quickly. But yeah, I mean, go buy a high school English book, you know, I mean, a textbook. And <laughs> I mean, that's going to have a lot of information in there for you, you know. But uh, a lot of these great business writing books are, are like some of I've just referenced are perfect for what your needs are. And look, I'm a big believer in soaring with your strengths. You know, uh, there's this mindset of, well, here's some minuses. Here's some weaknesses. I need to shore up my weaknesses and, and sometimes, you know, and I think there's some validity in that if it's a part of your job, certainly, but, you know, don't, don't do that at the expense of what your real strengths are, obviously. But when it comes to business communications, you know, if you're in the business world, aren't all of us communicators to one extent or another, written, verbal, whatever it may be. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, for, for me personally, I have a, a, a heck of a time writing. I, I find myself constantly revising because I just don't have, I mean, part of my flaw is when I speak, the words come to me. So it just, it, I don't really think about it. It, it. The delivery is very fluid and it's very impactful. Well, well, let's address that for a minute. You know, Stephen King said, write, write with the door closed, which meant, you know, let that first draft just be whatever. Let it flow from you, you know. Uh, and, but right with the door closed, nobody sees it. Right. But your second draft, your uh, that's where you're getting into the editing side. And I think a mistake a lot of people make and me included is I'm writing that first draft and I'm going back and editing while I'm writing. And when I should just let it all flow out mm -hmm. and then go back and now I deal with it. And, and, uh, you know, I, in an ideal world, when I'm doing the best I can, probably that is the way that I would do it because sometimes, you know, you get in the flow and you don't need to break that flow by going, Oh, I misspelled that word. Let me fix that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And, and if you, you know, you've got, uh, you know, all like Microsoft word, it's going to highlight that kind of stuff. And that just bugs me because I am a perfectionist um, and a little bit, little bit OCD. Um, but you know, what I suggest to people is 
write that first draft, like he said, with the door closed, just put it out there. Nobody's ever going to see that first draft, right? All first drafts are ugly. The ugly first draft, <laughs> UFD. But then, you know, go back and edit. And I use Grammarly. I am not ashamed to say I use a number of tools to help me on the editing side of things. Now, I depend, I don't use, you know, Grammarly slavishly. Because sometimes I wonder why Grammarly says some things it says. You know, for example, I like using the Oxford comma. Sorry, I do. Me too. But Grammarly wants you to put a comma every time there's the word and or or. And sometimes it it's not, you know, a, a serial phrase or anything like this. It's just like, why are you want me to do that? You know, uh, so uh, I I'm not letting Grammarly be my master, but I'm using it as a tool to assist me. I also use a tool called EasyBib, which I use for uh, checking for plagiarism. Grammarly has a plagiarism detector. I don't find it to be that great. So I use, in fact, I have one client uh, that I had written. I run through Grammarly, plagiarism detector. I sent the, the draft off to the guy and he's, they ran it through their plagiarism detector. He says, Paul, uh, there's some things in here you need to address. And that's when I realized, you know what, Grammarly, mm, I'm not going to trust you. So I found EasyBib, which I think is a great plagiarism detector, EasyBib.com. And I use it religiously. I never let a piece of content go out the door that I haven't used it because it's going to find stuff that, you know, and some of it may be incidental. It may be just a general generic kind of phrase. Well, obviously, I'm not going to worry about that. But if it's something that is uh, more specific, then I have this little rule. I either cite or rewrite. And, you know, either I'm going to cite it. Um, so the source is identified, right? Or I'm going to use a tool that's going to help me paraphrase that to the point that it's it's not plagiarism. And I use a tool called Quillbot, Q-U-I-L-L-B-O-T.com, which also has a plagiarism detector and all kinds of stuff in it. But I use it for paraphrasing, and it gives me different options for paraphrasing, where in your world, it might be more academic. And in another world, it might be more casual or simple or uh fluent, for example, or creative or whatever. And I can set some parameters around that to help me so that, you know, I may be looking at a piece of content written by somebody else that, you know, would influence or inspire something that I need to say, because a lot of what I write about, I'm not uh, an expert on the topic, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm having to go out there and do tons of research. And so I'm looking at this piece of content. Well, I am not going to copy paste Hey, job done. That's not right, obviously. Now there's fair use, you know, and, and things like that, but either cite or rewrite. And so that's what I do. And then I run through that plagiarism detector again, and it usually ends up with a clean bill of health in pretty much every case. Uh, you know, it may catch one or two other things. I go back and do it again. The last step of this process of mine, though, is I use Microsoft Word, uh, you know, some people like Google Docs and stuff, but I like, and I will send a piece into Google Docs, but I start with Word and here's why. It has the read aloud function. Now, a lot of people say, you read the, con the content aloud yourself. Mm -hmm. I find that to be a bit lacking, at least for me. I won't judge for anybody else. But when I hear the read aloud function reading it, then I can much more easily catch 
those last few errors, hopefully that might not exist, but invariably do. There's a better way to say something. There's a sentence that could be more concise. Now, Grammarly does a really good job of, of doing conciseness, you know, and things like that. But, uh, you know, and uh, so that's, again, that part of that first first draft, second draft. But invariably, I'll go back through and say, mm, that could be said better. That didn't re that didn't sound well when it was read to me, you know, because it needs to be readable, right? And I would throw in, let me throw in a couple of other things here. Writing for the web is not, and again, that's my world, may not be your world. My world is writing for the web. So writing for the web isn't like writing for print, where you can have a big old wall of words or a big block paragraph, you know, that kind of thing, or even indented paragraphs stuck together. Don't do that on the web you need very clear chunks, I guess you could say, right? And uh, you need to be concise. You need to get to the point because let's face it, people online don't read, they scan. So I've got to have headers and subheaders. I've got to have bullet points. I've got to have short two, three sentence paragraphs that you know vary in length some links you know some sentences are longer others are shorter you want to have that you call it burstiness i guess you would say you know that sort of flexibility but uh you gotta approach writing for the web in that way particularly if it's for business i would say again if it's if it's fiction or something i can't speak to that world but i can speak to the business world and i think when you've got a well-formatted piece of very clean content that you have checked for plagiarism and you know you've done all of that kind of work then and only then is it a deliverable that's a fantastic message for our listeners i love the fact that you're a professional writer you've been doing it for years and you are still utilizing all the tools at your disposal to produce the best piece possible every time well, well, you know, there are English majors and journalism majors who probably uh, will hear this and or see this and go, perish the thought. I need to do that because even though I'm much more attuned to writing an active voice than I used to be, uh, I and a lot of my editing, obviously, I'm very attuned to that. Uh, you know, I still need those tools. I don't have that background. Like I said, I got a degree in music therapy and then in, in uh, religious education. So, hello, I didn't get a degree <laughs> in English or journalism or literature or whatever. Although, you know, if you could go back and live your life over, you know, you, you kind of question like, dang, why didn't I get a journalism degree? I would have loved to have done that. You know, it just wasn't the path I guess I was meant to take. So well, I never, and never too late. Um, but on that note, as no, we're... I'm not going to, no, I'm not going to do that at this point. <laughs> we're done. We're done with the education. If I go and get a degree, it'll be a doctorate in something that I really, really am super passionate about. So whatever. Okay. Um, but yeah, but we're, we're, thank you so much again for your time, Paul. We're closing in on the, the, we'll give you the last question here. And we ask all of our guests this, if you could say, go back in time and talk to a, uh, a 20, 21 year old Paul, after you have graduated with your music therapy, uh, <laughs> what would you have, what would you have told him to uh, improve some message you wish you were told earlier, something you learned later that maybe you had learned earlier may would have uh, improved something in, in your life? Oh my gosh. Well, all right. So I'm going to get philosophical real quick here and I'm, I'm going to try to be as concise as I can. Hit us uh, let me put it this way. The only tense is future. The past is past. 
you can learn from it, but you can't live in it. A lot of people do, you know. The present, oh, live in the present. No, the present, as I was told one time, is like an arrow in flight. You reach up to grab it. It's already gone. The present is past. So that leaves the future, all right? There are two ways to deal with the future. One is laissez-faire, passively sit back, let it come to you and do what it will, which I will tell you isn't much. Or you can reach out and try to shape that future into what you believe it ought to be, what you want it to be. When you take that stance, right? Newton's law, an object in motion stays in motion. Object mm -hmm. at rest stays at rest. When you've got that object in motion, you are moving with both head and heart. Things are going to happen. Doors are going to open for you like you wouldn't believe. They did for me. And if we had time to you know, regale some of those stories, I'd love to do that. But doors open for me is like, what? How is this happening? These books are one example of that. Um, you know, I never had to pitch a book to an editor. They always came to me. And then the other side of this is there are three questions I want you to ask yourself and ask yourself these three questions in sequence three different times. First question is this. What do you want for you? How do you feel about what you want? What are you doing to get what you want? What do you want for you? That's cognitive. How do you feel about what you want? That's emotion your feelings. What are you doing to get what you want? That is the will. That is the, the actionable part of this. Now, the reason you do it three times is because the first time is just going to be top of the mind answers. That's fluff. You got to get down deep and really think about this. And then finally, the question is, what are you going to do now? What step are you going to take to get what you want? If you will go with the only tense is future, and you'll reach out to that future and try to shape it. And then you really think through these questions. That will help you not make mistakes like I made in life and had this uh, meandering river of a career. <laughs> not saying that's all bad, but I think those are things that I would tell that person. Um, and I've done that, and it's changed uh, people's mindsets. Absolutely. Fantastic. What a great message to, to end on. Paul Cheney, he is a B2B writer, editor, and ghostwriter. I'm just going to call you an expert because you are. You're a B2B. And, qu and quasi-philosopher, apparently. So uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, well, just, thank you for that. I'll, I don't I don't like to own the expert term uh, myself, but uh, if you want to call me that, I'll take it every every time. <laughs> perfect, perfect. And, and Paul, if our listeners out there, they, they want to get a hold of you, where, where can they go? Uh, well, my website is prescriptivewriting.com. I don't write prescriptions, but prescriptivewriting.com. You can reach me that way. You can find me under LinkedIn as linkedin.com slash in slash Paul Cheney. That is where I hang my hat most of the time in terms of social media. And now I'm also using Threads, which is Threads, the new sort of micro blogging uh, platform, you know, uh, uh, threads.net slash P Cheney, P-C-H-A-N-E-Y. Those are places where I'm hanging my hat socially, but go to my website, prescriptivewriting.com, and you can find out more about me and what I do and all of that stuff. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Paul, thank you again for joining us on the show and thank dropping you. some wisdom with us. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I, I enjoy these kinds of things. So thank you very much. Absolutely. And to all you listeners out there, we wish you success in your future speaking endeavors. Thank you.